Let's spread a song so you can sing along with my special guest star two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. everyone welcome back to another episode of life's but a song a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals i'm your host john and with me today is a very special returning guest she hasn't been on in a while no and no. we're fixing that and i'm so <laughs> sorry that this is the one oh. it's ariana armand everyone hi i'm waving like people can see me hi hi <laughs> um and so okay we're in a block of episodes where i decided the topic and impairing the person and I'm needing to preface that because I had there was a reason why I picked this movie for you mm-hmm. originally without seeing it without <laughs> having any clue what it was because holy crap holy <laughs> shit we're here today to talk about the 1987 movie called Aria um it's there are 10 directors and I figured we would go segment by segment and I'll tell who directed and whatever. Um, so according to IMDb, 10 short films by 10 different directors set to arias by different composers. Great. I read that and I was like, you know what? Ariana hasn't been on in a while. She's like a go-to opera person because like we had fun talking about pirates of penzance i know your background is in opera so without seeing a second of this film i only really saw the trailer and i was like oh this is gonna be so cool you know we're gonna we get to talk some opera uh maybe she could show some knowledge i have no idea what the fuck happened i i was like that what <laughs> I thought, okay, so we're going to take like 10 arias and like kind of do a, a, a setting for them and do like a little storytelling. The only one that had any decent storytelling was the first one. Um, <laughs> well, okay. I also liked Nessun Dorma, but that was because like, yeah. that's because like operas sometimes are weird. Right, but but if you if I had watched that without the sounds that Nessun Dorma, I would have thought it was Zaba Float. Oh, interesting. Because I, I was like, that was like Isis and Osiris, like right there. I was like, what? And I was, I was like, this is just this is this is a very weird choice. Well, okay. So, do you know all these operas that? No, that like that was the other thing. Is like these were not. I was really surprised. Like I obviously I know Balo in Mascara. Uh-huh. I know Rigoletto, obviously, that was actually one of the ones that I studied when I was in Italy. And I know Turindo, but the other ones I don't really know that well. Uh, I went like, I was, went, and, I, and I know Pagliacci a bit. Um, and like, I, I went and like read these the synopsis for all of them. And I was like, we took nothing. I thought that there was going to be some takeaway from the operas in the films. Like not, not necessarily like shot, like, like scene for scene, like plot for plot. Mm-hmm. but i thought there would be something that like connected right because like have you heard of that production of la boheme that they set on the moon no there was a production of la boheme set on the moon like i said opera can be weird so right. i was waiting for something like that and then like we kind of got that with Nessun dorma but like then when it shifted to like what really happened you're like oh that's interesting right like, um, I, I did think that was, like, an interesting concept. I just wasn't really sure that that was, like, the right piece. Right. I don't, I don't know what the right piece would have been. But. I don't know. And I, I'm a little confused, because I think the producer, uh, Don Boyd, uh, basically contacted these directors and were like, you have up to 15 minutes. Make something. Right. Other than Pagliacci, really, and, and a little bit with the Regaletto, nobody picked anything that, that was, like, a generally, like, well-known piece. Yeah. And like, the Ness and Dorma, too. Like, that's, that's well-known. But, but it was, like, and they were all tragedies. Like, not a single not lighthearted. A comedy, I mean, yes, the Regaletto segment was kind of, like, a, a farce. Um, but what? All right. So let's start with Umbalo and Mascara. Mascara? 
Mm. And Balo and Mascara. Thank you. That one was directed by, I'm going to, this is going to be a fun okay. episode for me for messing up names. That uh, that was direct, written and directed by Nicholas Roeg. Um, mm-hmm. And by written, I mean like these people wrote the story that they're saying to these operas. Right. I don't mean they wrote the opera. Um, Giuseppe Verdi wrote Ballo. And they nice. used seven songs. Do we call them songs when it's opera? Arias. I mean, they're song. I mean, aria is song. It's not like okay. So yeah, it's arias. <laughs> well, they used the prelude and um, uh, six arias then. And in this one, I have no idea what the fuck happened. So that was like, like I said, that was one of the few that I actually was able to follow the plot. Uh, <laughs> like the, I have to say that because like, like, this was really funny. So uh, my husband is British and he came out in the living room like just as I started this and he's looking at this and he goes, why is it filmed like a 1980s commercial? Because it's set in 1987. It, right, it's a 1987 exactly. Movie, yeah. So like when he sent me, he sent me a YouTube video of like this, yes. uh, this British, this European commercial from of like Bailey's for Bailey's with a cat and like it looked like like the whole feel and the whole like it looks like this commercial and, and I started thinking about it do you remember like the Vianetta commercials no I know what he I, I yeah yes I know what he's talking about look completely. at me dating myself so yeah so that he, he's like he's like why are you watching something that looks like a European commercial oh yeah this is the one that it's like you're just like this is so 80s it's right. supposed to be like in the 30s it's supposed to be in the 30s and I was like is this supposed to be kind of like the impetus of World War II. Right. I feel I feel like there was some connection to World War II there. Um, I will say like the one thing that they t- so the king was was played by a woman in drag. Yep. And and that was I will say like that was like the one thing they took from Balo because there is actually a, a character, but if he's the page, it's not the king character. Um, but there is a character in Balo that's a pants role, that's a woman playing playing a man's part. Uh, so I thought mm. that was interesting. Like that was like I was like, oh look, they actually like made a connection-ish. Um, and like when you translate the title of the opera, isn't it supposed to be like the masquerade ball? Yeah, like like the, the masked ball. And I read yeah. over the plot for that. And I was just because like I said, like I have like a very vague knowledge of what that one's about. And like I read through the plot and, it, and it's so convoluted. I mean, a lot of operas convoluted, but it, it's like it's so convoluted. And like the king is in love with his best friend's wife, but they're not having a thing. And and. It, so, and, and, yeah. <laughs> so you're saying that this is the only one that like really follow, kind of followed the opera. It didn't really. I mean, yeah, like it kind of followed the opera, and not that it like showed that there was a relationship between the friend and, and the woman he was involved with, but that at least like you had, you kind of had. It was clear that there was like a love story happening. It was clear mm-hmm. that there was like an assassination attempt. Um, there, were, there were enough elements to be like, yes, you understood. Right, uh, like Nicholas, you took something you from the source material and and went with it, you know. And I liked the way that one was filmed, and I liked, you know, I, I liked that it had a plot that I could follow. <laughs> right, because then we go into, oh God, La Vergine del Gai Angeli from La Forza del Destino. La Forza del Destino. Yes. And uh, yeah, and like that's one that I don't really know. And then again, like I read the plot synopsis and I was like, yeah, again, it, again, it's like a convoluted love triangle and people joining monasteries and. But all of a sudden, there's a, there's, a, there's a child driving a car and it's all black and white. Right. Uh, and you, like, you read that, you read the synopsis, there's like children who, 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 are worshiping the Virgin Mary statue, like some kind of adoration, you know, Catholicism <laughs> insanity. Um, and, and I can say that I am a, a recovering Catholic. Um, I am a holiday Catholic. Um, <laughs> um, it, it, steal a car and set it on fire. And I, and I like, I read that, I read this and I'm like, what, what? And I watched it and it made no more sense. <laughs> yeah, this one was directed by Charles Sturridge. And it's another Verdi opera. Um, yeah, it made no sense. I got nothing. So let's go I mean, like, on. That's, like, that's just kind of like where we are with this whole thing. It's just none of it makes. So let's go on to Ar- Armide. Armide. 
Armide, composed by Jean-Baptiste Lully. Lully? Yeah. Jean-Baptiste uh, Lully. And directed by Jean-Luc Godard. Godard. Yes. Boy, these women were horny. Oh, was, was this the one with the bodybuilders? This is the one with the bodybuilders. Yeah, and now I'm just like, I'm like, you just wanted to get some, like, barely legal women naked. That's That's kind of what I got from that. And like, I'm not going to lie. This is the third movie where there are women that I can't remember that there are women surrounded by muscular men and they are so horny. But this is the first one where the women are naked. Yeah. Yeah. I like, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of boobs. Were, yes. Yes. So many oh, boobs. There were boobs and there was pubic hair. So <laughs> much pubic. And then, and then. We're gonna hold off on, on the penis, but oh yes, we see, we see I, I, penis. I, okay, I will say I was I was impressed, but I, not I was, by it, but yeah. but like I was so happy that all of a sudden we're just like penis because right, like, like nobody ever shows that because like after so many after like an hour of just nonstop boobs oh and yes and pubic areas of women. We get a penis, but it's it like, like, yeah, it was like equal opportunity, shot. unneeded nudity, and, uh, and we never get, we never get equal opportunity, unneeded nudity. We it's, right because with women, because <laughs> like in this one where there, it's the it's the men at the gym, like they're still clothed. We get down to like skimpy underwear that is basically like bikini bottoms, right. I have no idea what happened in this one. I don't know what happened. That, that one was just, there was no plot. They were just walking around. And can I say, I really hate bad lip syncing. Because there were like like a couple of lines that they like lip sync. And then also like, at the end, they would shout, non or we. And I was like, what the fuck yes. happening? Okay, everybody, these movies, and I use that term very loosely, had no plot. It was, a, a lot of it just felt like, how much TNA can we get on screen? Well, that is a good segue to, because I think we're done with this one. Let's go to Rigoletto. <laughs> oh, God. Rigoletto, directed by Julian Temple, um, is another Verdi mm-hmm. opera. This one had English dialogue, mm-hmm. which was interesting, because the, uh, the one before had French dialogue. Mm-hmm. But, like... This had nothing to do with Rigoletto, but I was no. still entertained by it. Yeah, I, I mean, again, this one actually had a plot you could follow. It was like, okay, yes. they're they're both having an affair, and they're both pretending not to be having an affair. Um, it was it was also like a little uh, commentary on like the film industry. Yes, because what because the man is a producer and he's hooking up with this woman who he promised to put in a movie. Meanwhile, his wife, who runs into this woman, is like, oh, I did that once, but I got the producer instead of the role. Right. I was like, right. oh, shit. Yeah. Which, so, so, yeah. Which, funnily enough, I don't know if you know this, but this was filmed at the Madonna Inn in California. Okay, like, yeah. San Luis Obispo. Yeah, that's not a, those are not sets. That's what that's it a looks real, like. I, I thought so. Yeah, I thought that was a real, I'm like. I'm like, okay, but maybe maybe we should uh, go take a field trip. <laughs> oh, oh, it's great. There is a bar area that does mm. look like Alice in Wonderland. In the main building where the bar is, there is a waterfall for the urinal. Like, it's wild. Every room is a different theme. And so it's interesting that they picked those two to film their sex tapes. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's so good. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, like so that one actually had had a, a followable plot and actually might have been interesting uh, if you like taking it as like like a farce, as like a bedroom like a like a solid bedroom Hollywood bedroom farce. Yeah, you know, yeah. has nothing to do with Rigoletto nothing at all. To do with Rigoletto because Rigoletto isn't it like his daughter gets kidnapped by somebody and he's trying to save her and then so he works he works for the Duke of Mantua who is a playboy and uh, and hides his daughter. Like nobody knows he's got a daughter because he, he is part of this court and he understands everybody's sleeping with everybody and it's a, it's a whole orgy scene and, he, and his daughter is protected and innocent. Um, and his job is to like be the, the jester to this, to this Duke and he like in, he insults all the other members of the court. He gets a curse put on him by a member of the court who, whose wife he insults. 
Obviously. Um, right, of course. And the, the Duke runs into his daughter at like church and they fall in love. He doesn't tell her who he is, of course. You know, he gets her back to his palace. They, you know, takes her virginity and it's, it's a whole bad situation. And then he goes off and, you know, sleeps with somebody else and Rigoletto pays somebody to kill the Duke. And, and, and Jill, the daughter, like begs him not to because even though he's betrayed her, she, he still loves her and she, she doesn't want him to, to kill the, the duke and uh so he hires somebody to kill the duke uh the duke the sister of the assassin sleeps with the duke and begs the brother not to kill him uh and says just kill the next person who walks in the next person who walks in is gilda in in boys clothes so gilda gets stabbed and thrown in a bag and given to rigoletto because haha look i did it great i'm gonna go throw him in the river he opens the bag oh no it's my daughter the curse has come true and i've been yeah you know, that's that's rigoletto so uh, where does elvis fit into rigoletto Elvis does not fit it. I guess Elvis is the court entertainment. I don't know. Like, um, like, like none of this, none of this has anything to do with <laughs> Like that one, this one felt more like a movie. Yeah. This segment felt more like a movie where the opera was the background noise. Right. Which I'm fine with, but like the other ones before it and some of them after this one, I don't know how it marries. No. At all. No. Because, oh, wait, the next one. You ready for this? Ready for me to fuck this one up? Yeah, what's this one? Gluck das mir verbleb from De Todstadt. De Todstadt. Yes. Um, I wrote down in caps, actual lip syncing. A couple of sex. Yes. Like, Again, that one was just like if if we wanted softcore porn, could we have not just done softcore porn? The, uh, so this one, "Die uh, Totstadt" is composed by Eric Wolfgang Korngold. Sure, yeah, yeah. and Korngold. and it's directed by Bruce Bettersford. Yes. Um, which actually, funnily enough, going back to Rigoletto, the he mentioned two directors Fellini and somebody else and uh Woody Allen who were offered to direct yeah yes uh, also another director who was offered was Orson Welles but he unfortunately passed away before they could figure anything out that would have been him. interesting right he, he would have picked something really dark and gloomy he would have done like the Valkyrie or something you know, you know, I'm surprised. You said this earlier too, like that they mm-hmm. picked obscure ones. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised no one did Queen of the Night. That's such an easy one. Right. I feel like. Right. Like there was there was no magic flute. I'm like, how that's I mean, that's like such there was a no Mozart. Film and Mozart. There was no Mozart. There was like it was like all these like weird kind of obscure things and not like they're bad, but if you're trying to if you're making a film and you're trying to get a film audience in. I mean, I don't know how this was released. I don't know if it was released like art houses or if it was released like general. It went to um, Cannes, the Cannes yeah. Film Festival in 1987, and it was up for the Palme d'Or. It did it. Yeah. Work. Yeah. But you would think you would do something that the general public was a little bit more familiar with and maybe be like, oh, I, I know that because I've heard that in commercials. Uh, Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have all heard the flower duet and the queen of the night and you know in in a commercial so like wouldn't you want to bring more people in outside of like this very niche i mean i mean i feel like this is like a very niche thing and and even the niche that it's going for it's not really applying to <laughs> the other thing too is that somewhere around like the set between the second and third segments they introduce this one actor that's supposed to be that is running around a theater chasing after some ghost it's john hurt and isn't he doesn't he start isn't he like i feel like he's like some kind of connector in between the segments but he doesn't really connect them yes 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 and then he ends it with pagliacci uh vesti la vesti la juba thank you you're welcome which okay, so Vesti Lajuba was is the last segment. We're jumping to the end. That one was directed by Bill Braden and it was co-written by uh, producer Don Boyd, and it was composed by 
can you take say this name because I don't feel like butchering it. Oh, Leon Cavallo. Thank you. So yeah. we see this actor running around a, an empty theater following this ghost of a woman who right. we don't know who she is. Right. I mean, my, um, my, yeah, my assumption is she's she's a, a dead lover or a dead wife. And he's slow. You know what would have been better if we still had this? But like if he ran by posters or like a prop. Right. That would then connect to, to the, the, the opera segment. to the opera segment. Because that's what we're missing. We're missing a connective tissue. What we said the uh, so far, the the they don't really follow the operas. Pagliacci, uh, the, I mean, he's supposed to be talking about how sad and depressing his life is, right? That's what that's basically what the aria is. Yeah, he he thinks his wife is cheating on him, and I can't remember if she actually is or not. But he thinks his wife is cheating on him and ends up killing her on stage. Yes, because they're they're performers. They're like. But like he's singing, this is his, this is like a very famous aria where yeah, he's, he's, when he's singing like, get, he's it getting while... ready for the performance and he's, that's the Vesti La Juba getting like, his, his Vesti is like clothing, like getting dressed and getting ready. Uh, and yeah. then he's like crying, but like, or not really crying, but very emotional while putting on, slapping on makeup and everything. But what they did here, I was just like, okay, this is it. Yeah. It was like his final performance like he knew he was dying and so he went to this abandoned opera house and sees the vision of this woman and and she's like because you know, she she like she comes down to him at one point like when he's like like in it the dressing like maybe room yeah having a problem and, and and like like please my darling sing uh yeah <laughs> kind of thing um do we want to talk about albre le bordet which one was that? Number <laughs> number six, composed by Jean Philippe Remieux, directed by Robert Altman. It's the one where it's these audience members in like the seventeen hundreds. Oh, yeah, what was? That? I mean, it was interesting to watch just for like the characterization kind of thing, you know, so like for for the character going on. With everyone with How? these lower low class with they were, like, they were supposed to be insane asylum they were supposed to be insane asylum patients they were yes did you read the, yeah read the synopsis <laughs> it, it, oh, here's the synopsis the synopsis was something like a new opera is premiering and being performed for the inmates of an asylum and i'm like how do you get any of that from this movie see i didn't read these these ones <laughs> i read all, i read all the synopsis before like before watching it because i was like what what am I getting myself into? And, oh! Yeah. I mean, it's clearly on the Wikipedia page. And, like, yeah. that's how I got the order and where these are from. I didn't read anything else because I was just like, you know what? Let's just go into it. Let's just enjoy it. What the fuck? Oh, oh no. I needed to know. I needed to know what I was getting myself into because uh, I, I, I thought there would be something I could follow. I'm so sorry. Again, <laughs> Again, it was just totally surface where I was like, opera, Ariana, done. I mean, there we go. Oh, boy. Um, okay, so the the one after the Insane Asylum one is Liebstod from Tristan und Isolde, which is a Wagner. Yeah. I mean, at least Wagner was represented. Uh, number seven. That one was directed by Frank Rodham. Um, this one... I can't remember Tristan and his old because, like, I feel like it's parallel to Romeo and Juliet, if I remember correctly. It kind of is. It's it is, but it's, it's more convoluted. Um, so Isolde is supposed to marry a king. Isolde is Irish and supposed to marry an English king. She's taken on the ship by Tristan to go. To marry this English king, which of course she doesn't want to do. There's people on the boat like making fun of the Irish because you know that that whole thing. And um, she's she's got some kind of he, she's like a healer. She's got like not magic, I knew there was really, like but, fantasy yeah. or magic involved in right. This. And and she asked her, I guess her maid to like make up a death potion because she's she has feelings for Tristan, but she's mad at Tristan because I should add a trigger warning here. Probably, yeah, because yeah, trigger warning. Um, trigger trigger and, warning, because yeah, is, you see, 
they in in the film they in this segment they do commit suicide by cutting their wrists and so, it's kind of graphic it's real like you see it like i i cringed a little bit i was like nah. do you think though like this is another one where like i under i got what they're telling that yeah. it was like a like whether or not they meant to make it more like romeo and juliet is another story but like mm-hmm. i understood that these are two people who i guess their lives are shit and they like mm. couldn't live without each other so they decided to right have, have sex see penis and then die right and this and, is like, where we see that, penis but yes and that was that, that was my other question though like watching that you know the, the way it played out why didn't they use romeo and juliet right like why right. why did they why did they i mean yes tristan and isolde like among opera circles is, is, is a big deal. But why wouldn't you use Romeo and Juliet for that? I was, I was very confused by the, the, the choice of plot and the choice of opera to go with the plot. So then we go to Nessundorma, uh, which is from Turandot. Do you say Turandot or Turandot? I, I say Turandot, uh, but, I, but people also say Turandot. It's, it's kind of I don't, I don't know that there's like an official and then people people who say it one way will argue with you that that's the correct way and people who say it the other way will argue with you that it's the correct way so I'm just like I say Turando and it's Turando and if you have a problem with that sorry. Yeah. And this is this is um, composed by Giacomo Puccini Giacomo Puccini and my little like blurb to remind myself what the segment was I just wrote the Ken Russell one. Yeah the Ken Russell one because okay so this is how i heard of this movie i did tommy on here and then all of a okay. sudden i was just like i'm now obsessed with ken russell he directed that the move the tommy movie and so i was going through his filmography and i saw that he did a couple other musical musical based movies and so i was like cool let's go through his filmography and then i saw aria and i was like and then that the domino effect happened right to here we are um i really liked his segment because like they got me the minute the second you saw her head through that disc thing yeah and then and then they're adding rhinestones to her body and it turns out she's a victim of a car crash like that was amazing yeah and like to me this is opera (laughs) yes I liked the concept. I did like the concept. Um, My minimal knowledge of opera. This is opera. Like I know right. that they they use like a red curtain to symbolize blood. Sometimes I saw a production of Turandot where when they introduced the emperor, the emperor was head to toe in gold, and like he was seated on a bench that they flew in from the sky. I was like opera, yeah, opera. You know what this reminded me of too? It's not like it really connects at all. It just, it's like the film, like the visual style of it. Uh, have you ever, have you ever seen the music video for uh, Sarah Brightman and Hot Gossip, I Lost My Heart to a Starship Trooper? No. Oh my God, go, go, after we're done here, go YouTube that because I swear, the, visually, like stylistically, that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, this is like, like that's what I that's what I thought when I started watching it. I'm like, oh my god, this feels like Starship Trooper. Why does this feel like Starship Trooper? Like it doesn't connect at all. It just like at this point, we're like an hour and ten minutes into the movie. Movie? Sure, let's call it that. Um, we've seen so many boobs, so so many uh, pubic hairs, a penis, one penis, and then. But like this one, we see boobs, but it's like justified because she's right. on an operating table. Yeah, it wasn't like gratuitously. Yeah, a lot of, they were all male directors. And because they were all short films, it felt like how much sex can we, how much sexual well, gratification so, can I get out so, of this well, so in like 10 the, minutes? The Tristan and his old one, and then the other one where they're lip syncing and having sex. Like, you're having sex. Of course we're going to see boobies. Right. But, like, the one set in the insane asylum or the two horny women in the gym, why are we naked? Right. 
the insane asylum I get because you, if you've got insane asylum patients, they're not necessarily going to be like clothing optional people. Um, like, so like I, I, I kind of get that to like show the insanity and that didn't feel gratuitous like the, the one in the gym or the what you know, it, it just kind of felt like that's just like part of the population, I guess. Also, the one in the gym, they wanted to kill the, the guy? Yes. Like, yeah, she kept pulling the knife out. The one kept pulling out the knife and the other one kept like slapping it away because, because he wasn't paying attention to her, I guess. Uh, so according to Wikipedia, that one says, in a gym, two young women working as cleaners are entranced by the muscles of the male bodybuilders who maintain their concentration even when the women strip. But I'm also, I was also a little confused about that one where I was like, fantasy sequence? <laughs> right, but who's fantasy? But who's, fa- I think it's their fantasy, the women. But why, but why, no, if, if it was their fantasy, they'd be getting lucky. I mean, like, <laughs> true. Yeah, but was, uh, why are you going to fantasize about men ignoring you? That's certainly not what I do. And so, okay, the the last one we haven't talked about yet is Despuis le jour from Louise, uh, composed by Gustave Charpentier. Sure. And yeah, it was directed by Derek Jarman. I had no idea what was happening in this one. A woman just saw her life pass before her life? Yeah. So, again, if you read the synopsis, and I read the, and so, like, I liked this conceptually. I don't think it was well executed. Um, the, the synopsis on it was oh, a, yeah. an aging opera singer giving her final performance intercut with scenes from her young life. Do you know Louise at all? Uh, just the what I read in the synopsis, like Louise, I don't, I don't know, and, and I forget. <laughs> uh, I've never it, heard of this one. It was, it was yet another like what the actual fuck plot. Um, wait, let me, let me go find because it was, yeah, it was definitely a huh. Uh, again, somebody wanting I'm, to marry somebody and parents I, disapproving. I think, I think that's what it was. Great opera yeah. everyone yeah if, it, opera. if it's not magical it's about somebody wanting wanting somebody else to marry them and it is an atmospheric story of working class life in paris with the city itself invoked along the way young louise a seamstress living with her parents loves julian an artist she desires freedom associated in her mind with him and the city okay great that's there awesome. you go yeah and it's uh, you know, obviously like more convoluted than that but that's like the basic rundown <laughs> Like, this is a capital A art movie. Yes. I don't know if they had a, if all all of them had a conversation. I don't think so. I think it was yeah. just like, here, go, do your thing. I can't, I, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I thought this was good. I thought this was going to be fun. You know, we're going to hear some opera. Going Some people are going to sing it. Uh, Ken Russell directs something bananas, which he did. That delivered. Right. Uh, but, but even even the opera was like very background on a lot of them you know it wasn't like it wasn't like you could, could watch that and be like oh what is that i like that that's pretty it was just, it was kind of almost not n- noticeable in a lot of it if that makes it, sense it feels like so, so to sum up everything we've just talked about mm-hmm. balo is the only one that followed elements of its opera some were entertaining as shorts, and then the rest of them felt I, I, the music was just secondary. Yeah. For most of them. Yeah. E- even like, you know, like with Rigoletto, which I actually know very well musically, I remember hearing Adio. Adio, Adio, I remember hearing that. La Donne Mobile was well done, I feel like. Yeah. Because, like, that's when it's the chaotic and they're all dancing and Elvis is singing it. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, you're doing something here and I'm really appreciating it. Yeah. I don't know what, but you're doing yeah. something. Yeah. Um, that, that one was, like, the, yeah, that one was at least, like, entertaining on some level. And, and, again, I feel like if you pulled that out of this series of movies and, like, expanded on it and actually made a scripted story bedroom farce, it would be entertaining. Yes. Yes. I think I'm a Ken Russell stan, so I'm going to like anything he does. So, I mean, I really did like Nessun Dorma. Um, 
there are elements of things that I liked in other ones. Right. But overall, I don't know. I'm so sorry. That's fine. I mean, you know, hey, now we get to, we get to talk about it and laugh about it because what the hell was that? Right. And like, I honestly thought the music was going to be the for like the music was the forefront in some of them because almost all of them except for Rigoletto like it is just the music there is no dialogue right I'm not counting the one in the gym because it's not that... full dialogue they just say random lines and then yeah. we are known so <laughs> but like I don't know I, I think it's hard too because we started with Balo and in Balo and in that segment they have text and yeah. I was ready for the for that to be the through line you know like the assassination attempt like if I'm I, either one of two ways if it was the guy running around the theater and then performing Pagliacci and then dying like if that was the connecting tissue where he was but he stood by a, like a, a poster or or like um, a character was introduced and then went into their segment. That would have been fun. I would have enjoyed mm-hmm. that. Or, or if you say, if you had these 10 male directors in a room being like, this is the story we're telling, but you have some free reign and you can pick whatever arias you want. Great. But like we got night, we got neither and both at the same time. Yeah. It was like with the, with the John Hurt character running around, it felt like at some point there was a concept to connect everything. Mm-hmm. And like, he was supposed to be the, the, the connector. But he didn't and it didn't and nothing connected and nothing felt like I've seen I mean they put compilation films together like this where there is some kind of connection Mm -hmm. between each segment and there was nothing here except like opera was the connection I guess (laughs) right and then like you would see John Hurt run run around the theater but like you're just also just sitting there like why? But why? Who is I, I that that you're chasing after? Questions. I yeah. had a lot of questions about most of them. Yeah, and like, see, early on, I wrote down this question: like, uh, does one need the knowledge of these operas to understand what's going on? And I think we already answered that one. Like, no, definitely not. No, because they didn't. Because nothing has anything to do with the operas. <laughs> oh my god! Is there anything else you wanna? No, I think, I, think we, I think we touched on pretty much all of it. <laughs> Great. Let's get into Sharp and Flat, shall we? Okay. Sharp Flat. So this segment, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. You know what? I tortured you with this. What do you want to start with? Do you want to start with sharps or flats? I think we can start with sharps because that's going to go real fast. Great. Uh, you go first with your sharps. Uh, so again, I liked the Balo and Mascara. Uh, I liked that one. I liked the way it was filmed. I liked that it had an actual story <laughs> that was, you know, seemed to make some kind of sense. Um, I also liked the the visual on the Ness and Norma and the, you know, mm-hmm. and I think, I, I, and, I, and again, I did like the Rigoletto for what it could have been. Yes. I mean, it was it was a fun romp. Yeah, there was some there was something about that. Yeah, like I said, if, if they if they would take that concept and flesh it out and and do a bedroom farce with it, I think that would be good. Although I think it should be a short. I don't think it would be. No, a good, it shouldn't be like, a movie. No. No, but like a thirty minute short max. Right. Yes. Um. I. I know we shat on them, but I really I'm sharpening the women lusting after muscle men because okay. that's that's a running theme on this podcast, so we got to do it. Um, okay. I as much as I liked the Rigoletto segment, I'm really just sharpening the Elvis impersonator. <laughs> he was fun, but like also that whole that whole moment, that whole song, the La yeah. Dona because like he it would. You know what would have been better chaotic? though? 
it would have been better though is if they actually had the Elvis impersonator singing it instead of the recording. If it had yes. actually been like that like that would have been funny. <laughs> well, 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 ho, ho, hip, hip. But like, like I, I would have enjoyed that. <laughs> it was so chaotic. It was wonderful. I enjoyed that scene. Um, and then my last strife is for Nessun Durma. Like before, I and I even wrote that before I knew what was actually happening. And then mm-hmm. after it happened, after we saw it was the car crash, I was just like, "This is amazing." Although what did hurt me is like when they're putting the rhinestones on her elbow and he grabs like this giant red one and he puts it there and i'm like no you gotta follow the pattern we're doing small ones at that moment yeah yeah so there there was definitely some art direction that was missed (laughs) yes how dare they ken russell (laughs) um she's like here give the actor some rhinestones and let him go to town (laughs) it was bonkers and i loved it uh okay (laughs) what are your flats that this was so much male gaze yep so much and i get it it was the 80s and that's kind of yep the 80s you know but like like i said that that was the one the total shot was it was basically just a soft core core porn film and and like why with like a little bit of bad lip syncing um and, and i i just kind of feel like a lot of it was it was just kind of like there's just no cohesive there's no cohesiveness to almost any of it Yes, I read that too as a flat, a lack of a through line. Yeah, just it's just like that. That really bothers me because I, I would love to see a compilation like this using opera as the base that has some kind of cohesive through line. That Let's makes do sense. it. Let's like, do it. I like that's what this is, isn't it? This is you and me going. We need to remake this. Yeah, but we'll keep Nessun Dorma. But we'll keep Nessun Dorma. Like we and Rigoletto. You know, we'll keep, we'll keep and Nessun- Rigoletto. Um, Let's tweak Balo a little bit. Yeah, we could do that. Um, we need but to play we'll Magic just, Flute. But then we'll just obliterate the other seven and we'll figure it out. Right. Well, and, and, and literally, like, go to some, more, some of the more popular operas because, again, let's interest an audience that wouldn't be interested in opera. Mm-hmm. Like, this, this, is like my whole, this, is, this is like my whole thing, you know, now that I'm working at the Metropolitan Opera and all this other stuff is, is like, there's so much good out there in opera and it's not shown. There's this, I feel like there's this thing, even with what the Met is doing with a lot of their revivals and a lot of their, their new productions, uh, revivals, they're not really revivals in opera, that's musical theater. But, <laughs> but with, like, with a lot of their new productions, I feel like they're more concerned with being edgy and relevant than telling the story. Yes. Oh, that's, that's, what, the, that's what was the problem with this this movie was it was like let's be edgy and and relevant and forget good storytelling and i there's so much good opera out there that people ignore because they think opera is this big stuffy unreachable thing and then the opera companies try and mess with it and then you get that terrible production of lucia we had last year And, and I feel like that's what's happening with opera in a lot of places. And why not use film? And why not use a compilation of these short films to be like, no, opera can be a good thing and it can tell a story even though you don't understand the language. You know, why not do that? Because like, if they wanted, I mean, it's either use the music to inspire you to tell a story or tell the story of the opera. But... Mm-hmm in five minutes yeah exactly like like, like we said Balo kind of did that they had elements they had like and like i mean rigoletto you had you heard the name jilda like they the other ones had i feel like did have elements of their respective operas but like Balo, for me somebody who's not an opera goer i was just like there are things here that i can understand as being representative of the opera itself but mm-hmm. i have no idea what is that actually happening right oh, and then i was like also is that a woman and yes it was and and again that is a callback to the actual to the opera, opera because you know right. pants, pants rolls are a big thing in opera um so i'm gonna agree with you on your flats all the flats you said and then my last my last flat is i own this movie i bought it on on prime I hate myself. I almost did. I almost did. And then I was like, mm, maybe I should just rent it. Mm. And I just rented it. 
I own it. Um, oh, I, also, I also want to I also want a flat ending on Pagliacci. I don't think that was a strong ending. No, it wasn't. It wasn't even a good death scene. He just kind of fell over. There's, there's, okay, I need your opera knowledge. There's mm-hmm. a great chorus, like a great choral number. I can't remember, I can't remember where show it's from. It's usually like uh, the chorus can get a uh, an encore. It's very famous. Uh, are you thinking of uh, from Caviata? Uh, the no, the, the drink. Okay, no. At the Met, they are all like peasants, and they're on like this really in- multi-level rock formation. Nabucco. Okay, Nabucco. Nabucco. Okay, I'm gonna have to look that one up. I'm not familiar with that one. It is very. You, um, I forget the name. I forget the name of it. Look up Nabucco chorus number. Okay. That one. That I feel like, or even the fucking Anvil song from Traviata. No, not Traviata. Trovatore. That's the one. That would have. Yeah. Even Nessun Dogma would have been a better ending. Because everybody knows that. Yeah. Like, like everybody knows that. Because everybody, you know, Vincetto, and, you know that, that whole big, wow, like that's, people know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, there was no, he just, died and it wasn't even a good death it was just oh out that's yeah i i mean obviously quite a bit of it's already there you know uh, like you know like <laughs> i mean these renditions were good like you had some some solid you know world class performing it uh, I think Pagliacci was Enrico Caruso you know um or maybe that was Nessun Dorma because I remember I, I remember thinking it was funny that they didn't use Pavarotti and then I was like well he was still alive when this happened so maybe they couldn't get <laughs> clearance for that you know well and I think that what again like this did not come through in the film, um, if, if I hadn't read the synopsis, I would not have picked this up at all. Um, it's, he's supposed to be miming to like a Victrola recording. So yeah, so yeah, so I, I think that the sound quality was, was kind of diminished to give that kind of, yeah. No, there was there was there was nothing, I, I, and and it it just looked like bad lip sync. Um. We did have a fun conversation. We just tore it apart. That's all. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Hey man, not a whole heck of a lot right now because um, let's just say the one thing that I thought was maybe possibly happening that I was finally like getting my foot in the door on is closing. So that's screw that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah, I mean, like just my uh, my my social media stuff. Oh, oh, get this. Um, I start my TikToks. Have you seen my 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 Phantom series on TikTok? Yes. That thing's got over fifteen thousand views. Congratulations. I'm like my stuff never gets more than like two or three hundred views, and I'm, I'm like this thing is just like. Boop. <laughs> 
Um, so we're still trying, still like adding a few things onto that. And, and hopefully uh, that will kind of lead to some more things. I had no idea anybody cared about my, you know, musical nerdy crap. Uh, but apparently they did because 15,000 views. What? Well, and since and since Phantom is closing, I guess everyone's trying to take in everything Phantom-wise. So you have right. an audience. Right, and which is kind of why I started with this series, because some of the things that I'm talking about, you know, like, you know, the first video, the one that's got 15,000 views is, you know, Broadway's Worst Kept Secrets that I don't know that I would have talked about so bluntly uh, had the show not given a closing <laughs> Just in case somebody found it that didn't, I mean, not, again, worst kept secret everybody knows and it's your opinion or it's you you telling it it's not like you represent phantom no exactly you're you're a stan of phantom but you don't represent phantom Um, i I know a lot (laughs) and if you i don't know if you actually can defend this movie (laughs) <laughs> you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com i'm also on facebook instagram twitter and t- and tiktok at buttersongpod um and if you want john and i to remake this movie give us money <laughs> give us money yeah like, like yeah. let us know and then we'll start to go fund me or whatever it is and uh, maybe we'll make it happen give us money and throw some options in to the ring yeah. to that you'd like to see and what if you, do want, you want to see what do you want to see And if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, we're going to be talking about Enchanted. Ariana, I am so sorry, but thank you again for coming back on. Maybe next time I'll, I mean, you're coming back. I don't know when. I'll come back. I don't know when. I gotta, I gotta like look through all these movie musicals that I, you know, grew up watching and and be like, we should talk about this one. (laughs) Anyway, thank you everyone for listening to us bitch about this movie that John made a oopsie on. Um, Ariana. You, you're great. Sorry that I made you do that. I love you too. (laughs) Uh, Thank you everyone. And bye for now. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.